You've heard it, we've all heard it, words matter. What we don't hear is that words matter because they are matter. This insight, along with others we cover on this show, gives you a superpower, the ability to harness the power of words to revolutionize workplaces and the world. The power to create cultures where productivity soars, profits rise, and people feel included and inspired. As with all superpowers, you have to learn how to manage it. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about getting intentional with your communication eyes, your inputs, aka words and language, to get the O's, the outcomes, aka the results, the impact that you want. Join me, your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and my amazing guests as we explore the wild and wonderful world of Communicate I.O. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Communicate IO podcast. I am Erica Mills Barnhart, founder and CEO of Claxon, and your host on this podcast. So recently, I rolled out something called accelerator packages. These packages take work that usually, or at least often, takes a year, and it gets it done in 30 days. There's one for external messaging and one for re-energizing your team and improving team communication. And there's a similar one for leadership communication. So one-on-one coaching. Now, just a reminder to lay the foundation, especially on the team communication one, research shows that ineffective communication is costing you 20 to 25% of your employees' time. 20 to 25%, that is a day, a week at a minimum. So take your salary line item, times it by 20%, 0.20, and you'll know how much money is being frittered away because of communication-related hiccups and hangups. Most of these good news are fixable. Not all, like we're human, right? So like 100% effective communication all the time is is not a a realistic standard. But 20 to 25% is a reflection of or a function of we're not really taught how to communicate effectively in a business environment. We go through K through 12 or K through 16 or whatever, and then... I'm actually getting over COVID. So for so for some listeners, you're going to be like, why does she sound so weird? <clears throat> COVID. So, but 20, 25% is, that's a lot, right? It doesn't need to be that high. And that's money that could otherwise, time, time equals money, could be used on your mission, right? So the idea is we want to address this, get it tidied up in short order. Okay, so that's the rationale for creating the accelerator packages. Now, not surprisingly, people ask me, rightfully so, how on earth can you condense the timeline that much? How do you go from six months, nine months a year to 30 days, one month? My somewhat glib response is because I'm old and I've been teaching clients how to use words to change their workplace and the world for 20 plus years. And and you're going to see, like, I'm actually going to unpack this because there is truth to the glibness of that response. But but I want to like actually dig into this because it, it it's really it's important. And even if you don't end up doing an accelerator package, although I do feel like most listeners and most organizations uh, could benefit um, from like cleaning up their communication internally and externally. Of course, I am biased. There's also going to be some tidbits, right? So if if that's not for you right now, that is fine. However, here 
I'm going to give you a couple tips as we go um, by way of the rationale that hopefully you, you can implement yourself. Okay. So I'll let you know as we go what those are. Okay. So, and just from a bottom line perspective to really drive the point home, the ROI is higher for an accelerated format because of all the time and therefore money and energy that you're going to save. Like once you're on the other side of this, when like you just start saving time and money and energy because you're getting things done so much more quickly, right? And, and you've condensed the process. So you're in a position to do that. And again, the savings can be redirected to what you care about, which is your mission, your vision, your purpose, right? Serving the people that you serve, doing the work that you do. Okay. So there's four things sort of interrelated, but um, distinct, worthy of their own bullet point that make the accelerated timeline possible. Number one, I have been doing this work for a long time. I have worked with hundreds of organizations and I'm a nerd with very high standards. I expect I expect to get dramatic results for my clients. They deserve it. They deserve nothing less. So I've invested a lot of intellectual capital um, and time and energy of my own in refining and improving the process and methods that I use to craft external messaging and also to tidy up internal communication. So part of the refining has involved creating proprietary assessments. Okay, so this is where I start with every client, depending on what work we're doing, whether or not it's internal or external or both, right? Because let me just pause and say... I've mentioned this before, but it feels really important. And again, sorry, my voice is sounding so weird. At least to me, it sounds weird. It's a bit erroneous to separate external communication and messaging from internal because it is humans that are putting out the external messaging, right? So if you sort of like have that infinity um, symbol, right? The, the, the number eight kind of on its side. And you just think of the words as moving along that infinity symbol, right? They come in, they go out, they come in, they go out. So they're all, it, it's all interrelated and interconnected, right? Okay, so assessments. We have one, it's a personal communication assessment, okay? That's going to give you a lot of insight about how you and your team, how you communicate, how you think you communicate, how effectively you think you commu- you're going to communicate, and then you get information um, from other people about how that communication is received. And then there's also one for external um, communication and messaging. So why did I start obsessing about these tools, about creating assessments? Because they allow me to pinpoint the pain points. It takes the guesswork out of the work, I do with clients. We often think that clients will come to me and they have like a working hypothesis of what's getting in the way of them, their teams, you know, internal, externally uh, communicating effectively. So they bring the hypothesis, we do the assessment, and we learn that it's it's something else. Sometimes it's the thing that they thought, but the assessments allow us to like really figure out the root cause and go after that because that's what pays dividends. The assessments are predicated on the fact that trust is currency. Communication, verbal and nonverbal, can either increase or decrease trust. It is rarely neutral. Okay, In, In every interaction, it is increasing or decreasing. So to get at this, the assessments look at, they're really trying to get you into alignment. Okay, with how you want to communicate and think you communicate. And then again, how that is received or perceived by others. If there's a gap and or if your communication causes cognitive dissonance, right? That like cognitive dissonance is when your brain can't reconcile two things, right? So if it creates that, you're eroding trust. The greater the alignment, the greater the trust and the more quickly you achieve your goals. 
So let me give you an example. A common thing that comes up is I'll be working with a leader who would describe themselves. They feel like they communicate and show up in a way that's like approachable. So they are confused when they learn that their style is described as standoffish or formal or aloof or something like that by their team. The root cause of this is actually socialization, right? Socialization. We are socialized to believe that to be a leader, you need to be buttoned up and professional. And we have a, you know, a kind of an antiquated mm, description of what professional is. Uh, this, uh, this varies by generation, I want to say. So millennials have, have a different version of what's professional, still professional, um, not for me as a Gen Xer to say. But there is this idea of um, a certain degree of formality, right? So a leader's version of approachable can still come off as stiff because it's approachable within these allowable parameters that we've been socialized to adopt. And again, I do want to say this is changing a bit. And I, I see this all the time. Parameters or guardrails, as some people are fond of calling them, can be very helpful, right? And they can also hem you in and not allow you to lead authentically and, and therefore consistently, right? So leaders who aren't really grounded in their leadership communication style can come off as a little ping-pongy, like sometimes you show up one way and then another way. And this is what creates that cognitive dissonance that erodes trust that is ineffective over time as a communication style. So when I work with clients, we dig into this tension and we iron it out, okay? We iron it out. So that's number one. I can accelerate results by pinpointing pain points out of the gate, and then we start chipping away at them. Number two, when I work with clients, we deconstruct and then reconstruct. So what does that mean? We break things down to individual parts of speech, starting with verbs. There's some other episodes that we'll put in the show notes where I talk about the power of verbs. They are the superheroes of every sentence. Okay, so we start with verbs, and then we build out from there. This is antithetical to how most of us have been taught to communicate. We are trained to write complete sentences. Yes, this is fan-freaking-tastic for writing emails and having conversations. I mean, it'd be weird if you were just like, you know, if, you, if you're only communicating in verbs, those aren't full sentences, right? I mean, you can't just be like, bubble up or, you know, whatever you're going to say. Um, you need the full sentence. So that has its place. However... However, it doesn't work well for crafting messaging, high-level messaging, especially mission, vision, values, and purpose, mission, vision, purpose, and value statements, the four amigos that every purpose-driven organization must have to be successful, must, must, must. Because we're a very noun-heavy language, English is very noun-heavy, and so if you write a complete sentence, subject, verb, object, we end up over-focusing on the noun and under-focusing on the verb, and the verb is the energizing factor. So oftentimes what happens is you're so exhausted uh, by the nouns that you don't pay attention to the verb, and then the energy of the verb is off, and this has a ripple effect throughout all of your messaging. Okay, that create it creates cognitive dissonance. It's back to that idea, which again erodes trust. So that's why we deconstruct and then we reconstruct. Okay, that's number two. Number three is kind of an extension of number two. It's about it's about process, but I feel like it merits its own its own bullet. So I'm a professor. I like research. I like evidence. Uh, I also go a lot on gut instinct. So I bring these two things together. Now, you don't need a randomized control, tr control trial to prove that you're communicating effectively or that your messaging is on point, right? That is like way beyond what is necessary. What you need is a process that has research baked into it. So that's exactly 
what the process I use has. It is baked in there. And therefore, it kind of alleviates some stress and pressure on the um, testing phase. There are ways that I do that with clients, and I'm happy to share more about that if you're intrigued. But the point I want you to hear in this is the process I use mitigates the need for that level of testing. Okay. It's infused in the process with lots and lots and lots of research from a wide variety of fields, including. Let's see, linguistics, psychology, neuroscience, anthropology, semantics, physics, thermodynamics, and mathematics. That's the hit parade, I would say. Now, mathematics and physics sometimes throw folks off a little bit. The physics part I cover in most of my most of my ebooks. So uh, in Recharge, we talk about the universal laws. Own your words, own your life is definitely based on that. So those will be in the show notes. They're free downloads. So that's the the physics, thermodynamics, the mathematics. I want to give you an example of that. So in the Claxon method, it is what, who, how, what, who, how, what, who, how, predicated on the why. And there's previous episodes where I dive into this really deep and um, break that down for you. But the first is what, right? What does success look like? What outcomes do you want to achieve? The who is who is your target audience or who are you communicating with? And then, and only then, how are you going to communicate with them? Yeah. Um, So that's the what, who, how. On the what, I encourage all my clients to, whenever possible, embrace single variant optimization, which is a mathematical um, concept and term. This means you're laser focused on achieving one particular outcome at a time rather than a whole bunch. Um, The reason is because you're going to get further faster if you've got one clear outcome in mind. For instance, rather than donor acquisition and retention being on equal footing, decide which one will contribute most to your success in this moment in time, right? And optimize accordingly. Now, some of you are like, but Erica, we need to keep current donors happy while always bringing in new people um, into the fold. I get it. Same with talent acquisition, right? And retention. It's a a similar tension, um, which is addressed both in external communication, but also, of course, in internal communication. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm not saying don't be attentive to both. I'm suggesting you optimize your communication for the one that matters most in the next kind of six to 12 months, right? We experience, so by the way, you've experienced single variate optimization versus multivariate in day-to-day things like housework, okay? So like, let's just say you need to clean up the kitchen, water the plants, and mow the lawn. So you would inherently do those things sequentially. Why? Because intuitively, you know it's going to take you freaking forever if you get out the lawnmower, then put three dishes away, then put the water in the watering can, then mow one row of the lawn, then come back and water like half a plant, you know, and then maybe you wipe down 23% of your counters, right? And so it goes, that would be goofy, right? That would be kind of goofy. Now, I'm a putzer. I have my moments where I'm just putzing and I'm putting things away, Okay. But if I have a list and I need to get through it in a time-sensitive way, I'm going to do it sequentially, and I would bet that you do too, yeah? So, and yet, I see organizations do the equivalent of this, like, you know, sort of not ping-pongy, pinball, that's the word I'm looking for, this, like, pinball approach um, to optimization all the time. They do bits of a bunch of things sort of sporadically all at once. And and I want to say this comes from a good place. This comes from a place of all of this matters to us so much that it doesn't feel great to you know say this is the one for now. So it comes from a really beautiful place of loving the mission, being so committed to it that there's like an emotional and like subconscious 
um, response to what's happening. Okay, so that uh, the pinball approach is called multivariate optimization for anyone wondering. Um, we use it all the time. Okay, but it takes longer and you waste a ton of energy and that same amount of time and that same amount of energy could be getting you better results if you were clear on what success looks like at any given moment in time. Both you, like, and this is a critical point from a communication perspective, this needs to be communicated pervasively. Okay, it can't just be held in one or two people's heads. It needs to be communicated. Everybody needs to, to, to be on the same page and to understand why and how that is contributing to your long game. Okay, to the long game. So commit to the outcome and single-mindedly go after it while not losing sight of the big picture. Okay, so sprint while keeping the long game in mind um, is, in my experience, um, the most effective way to accelerate your timeline. This can be very uncomfortable. So I do work with clients about like what's happening consciously and subconsciously that is um, uh, making you resist. Possibly, no. Some clients are like, "Let's do it. Game on. Let's go." But we work on you know multiple levels. Uh, to get you these results as quickly as possible so that you are freeing up time, energy, money, all of those things. Okay, number four, it's number three. Um, number four, longer timelines don't yield better results in my humble and informed expert opinion, having done this for 20 years. There is this, it's like a, it's a feeling or a hypothesis that in order for a process to be inclusive, it has to take a long time. And I'm just here to tell you, that's not actually accurate. Sometimes the process needs some airtime, right? Like best intentions, we're going to get it done super quickly. And then something comes up and genuinely, in order to be inclusive, you need to reassess. I'm here for that. I'm open to it. I'm 110% behind everyone feeling and being genuinely involved in the process because you can't build cultures where people feel included and inspired if you don't include people in the process. Like, right? That doesn't work out. However, drawing things out is not necessarily more inclusive. It can be um, like a red herring. I'm not sure if that's the right analogy, but you know what I mean? Like it's a thing that you can point to, to say, look, we've been inclusive. And it actually breaks my heart when that happens without a true rationale behind it. Because again, every day, 20 to 25% of your your employee's time and therefore the money is just right? Like going out the window. That was my, my my sound for going out the window. You can visualize like the dollar bills floating in the wind. That just, no, let's stop that. Okay. So this comes back to the assessments. This is why, one of the reasons why I created the assessments is because that's an all comers type thing. Like anybody on the team, we're going to have them do an assessment. If you know, Just anybody who is involved in the communication, whether or not it's internal or external. And again, different assessments for those activities. But the idea is to get this beautiful, inclusive perspective at the very beginning so we can see where things stand. We can pinpoint those pain points. And we can also see, and I should have said this before, the opportunity. Where's the opportunity? Right? That's the beauty of this, of the assessments, right? It's not a, it is a strengths-based approach to the work. Right? How can we build up on that while being like aware? Right? We do, well, we don't want us to be blindsided. Okay, so so I want people to gain self awareness about how they communicate and what that means for other people on the team. And you know, we want all of that perspective. That's inclusion, right? It's a piece of inclusion. It's not the end all be all. And there's other factors in the assessments um, that also ensure wide perspective, broad inclusion. Okay. 
but like this, just lengthening of the timeline. I, I used to, this is how I used to operate. This is how I used to work with clients, right? And increasingly, I had clients who were like, just tell us the answer, Erica. Please, don't you have the answer? And I'm like, I do have the answer. Like, you know, I know what words clients, once we've done the assessment, like we can get there so quickly. So there, there are better, there's not right or wrong per se, that's too didactic, but there are better there are better options, right? And we can get there so quickly. And then the faster and more inclusively you tidy up your communications, right? Internally, and then get clarity on what it needs to look like externally, the more time, energy, and money you have for your work, for the mission, for the people you serve, right? That's the opportunity. And it's the massive opportunity cost of not adopting an accelerated approach. There is a zero downside to an accelerated approach. In my opinion, based on the emptying years of experience, right? You increase retention, satisfaction, acquisition. Your team feels more energized. You just, you get big results in record time. And I just, the thing I'm hearing every day when I'm talking to leaders, you know, at uh, purpose-driven organizations and companies, you know, the CSR departments within and philanthropy arms of corporations and of course, nonprofits and foundations and everything in between, startups, all the rest of it, right? They're tired. People are tired. They're really tired. And yet they care deeply about the work. And so a lot of my thinking and doing and um, in coming up with these packages was to address that. You're doing the most important work on the planet. And that's not hyperbole for me. Like if you were listening to this, you were somebody who was doing such important work. And I want you to have every resource available to you. I want that for your team. I want that for your board. I just, I want that for everybody who wants to make the world a better place. That's where these accelerator packages, that's what's motivating them. What inspired me to take the time to figure out like a really rigorous approach, research-backed approach that can get those results um, that you want and deserve. Okay. So that is the longer answer to the question, how can you do a year's worth of work in 30 days, Erica, and still get awesome results? In sum, it comes down to rigor, research, and experience. Yeah. If you're curious to see if an accelerator package is right for you, book a discovery call with me. You know me. I'm a straight shooter. You know, we're, we're going to chat for a bit, um, figure out what's going on for you. If one of these packages can, you know, address that super duper, um, we'll go from there. If not, I'm going to I'm gonna point you in, in the direction of some other solution. So any which way, you'll leave the discovery call with clarity about how to move forward to address the issues that you are facing, whatever those may be, a link to book a discovery call will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening as always. And more importantly, thanks for doing the incredible world-changing work that you are doing. Do good, be well, and I will see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Communicate IO podcast, you know what to do next. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Leading can be hard. Communication doesn't need to be. If you're interested in having your organization or team learn how to communicate I.O., I would love to hear from you. Get in touch at info at Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being a leader who is making our workplaces and our world better places to be.